0: Prayer is the center core of the church. This is what we're doing. We're praying. Hallelujah. Worshipping, blessing, magnifying, glorifying, seeking. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We give you praise. Oh, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says when they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost spoke. When they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost spoke. There's a place where we come into His presence, and it's in that place that He speaks. How I many you know He wants to speak to us all the time? He is speaking all the time. And we want to hear that voice. Amen. And when we tune ourselves up, we get tuned up to that voice. Somebody say, Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Our subject matter today, it's a season of devotion. What is devotion? What are we talking about when we talk about devotion? The definition of devotion is this. Devotion means, or devotion to God means this. It implies an ardent affection for him. I'm affectionate towards him. I'm not at a distance. I'm affectionate toward him. How many of you understand God wants us to come to him? Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Say that with me. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. And our approach to God allows us to, to uh, ratio-wise sense God more. It, because God's ever the same. How many know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? How many know that he's the same? Look at your name and say, God's exactly the same. He's exactly the same. I I was reading Brother Hagin's book uh, on fasting, you know, because during this season of the year, you know, a lot of churches will start out and they'll do 24 days of fasting or 21 days of fasting and all those things. And uh, I am not against fasting. I'm for fasting. How many think we ought to fast? Amen. Amen. By prayer and fasting. The Bible gives us many times. It talks about that. But I want to encourage everybody in here. That if you can, I mean, if you have to, it's at, at Florence. Maybe we should bring some of the books over here to Sumter. But while you're in Florence, we have that book, A Common Sense Guide to Fasting. And it's just a good common sense guide. I think if I, if I, you know, if, if I wanted to learn anything about fasting and want to start off with fasting, I'd start with that book. It's a great book, A Common Sense Guide to Fasting by Brother Hagen. I want to read his preface to the book. I'm just going to read what he said. And so I I want to talk about devotion, but sometimes we think if we fasted 21 days, we were devoted, or, you know, because I think sometimes that's what's been taught, you know, let's all have a 21-day fast, and then we'll fast, you know, cheeseburgers, amen, or we'll fast, uh, you know, TV, or we'll fast the internet, or whatever, and those are good things to fast, but why? Why would you do that? Because there are things that we fast that are not just food. Now, a fast that's described by the Bible is most often described as no food, no food. I mean, if we wanted to qualify it as a a fast biblically, we would say that it was described in the Bible as no food. And you know, I mean, so let me let me read this to you. But that doesn't mean that we don't we don't make decisions about ourselves that benefit us, because I think any self-discipline is a good idea. How many of you believe that? You know, because if you tell your kids to get off the internet for four or five hours, you know, if they're not on YouTube, Facebook, or whatever it is that they're on. It would be good for them. We'd agree with that. It would be self-discipline. And I think self-discipline is a good thing. If we discipline ourselves in ways, we get closer to the Lord. And that's what this is. This fasting idea that's not necessarily food is a good idea because it allows us to concentrate on God and not something else. I may think we ought to focus on God. But let me read this to you. In all of the epistles and the books of the New Testament written to the church, no one time is the church told to fast. That might be surprising. Not once is the church told to fast. That doesn't mean we shouldn't fast. Mention uh, 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 is made of fasting, but no rules are laid down. Nor is the church even encouraged to fast. And the reason is fasting is to be done uh, as the occasions arise. Fasting does not change God. How many know fasting doesn't change God? You can't fast long enough for God to be different tomorrow. He'll be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fasting does not change God. He's the same before, during, and after you fast. But fasting will change you. Fasting will change you. That's why I think it is a good idea, that as The Lord leads us to fast. If we have a sense of fasting, if there's a need to fast for, if there's an inspiration for fasting, we ought to do that. Amen. I we're talking about devotion here. We're talking about getting close to God. I found out a few things with fasting And fasting is a really good idea because one of the things I found out that really happens in fasting is, number one, when you fast, your mind goes crazy. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, This last night, I just got a passion. My my wife went and bought these little cups with flan in them. Do you all like flan? Anybody like flan? I love flan. And so it was good, but but I decided I would go online and see how you made flan. So last night, we, we, we went and bought the ingredients. I decided to make flan last night. Now, it takes a little while because it takes an hour and 15 minutes to cook it. And then you've got to let it cool down and put it in the refrigerator to cool off so it be cold. You don't eat flan hot. You've got to eat it cold. So it sits in the fridge for four hours before you can eat it. So it wasn't until this morning we could eat the flan. So we were all sleeping on flan night. <laughs> we wanted to eat that flan. But I'd never made flan before. Now that's a really simple recipe. Has anybody ever made flan but me? It's so simple. It is so simple. So anyway, we made flan. And so we get up this morning, I woke everybody up with let's go eat flan. That was the McCart house. Everybody jumped up out of bed. We all ran to the kitchen, got forks, turned the flan over. I did not know. I couldn't understand where you got the flan juice on top of the flan. Do you know what I'm I didn't know how that happened. I didn't know that the sugar underneath would liquefy, and when you turned it over, it would be the flan juice. I thought you had to make flan juice. Anyway, I'm very impressed with myself. <laughs> and so we, we, we got up this morning to eat this flan. We all stood around that thing, and we ate that thing up. Let me tell you, all night long, my mind wanted flan. Now when you fast your mind is going crazy. It's it's telling you, come on man, it's time to go eat. Every restaurant you drive by, especially Mexican, it's screaming. It wants to eat. So your mind's going crazy. You can identify your mind when you fast. Then you can also identify your body because I'll tell you what, your body almost turns into the driveways. Do you all know what I'm talking about? You driving by Don Jose. And all of a sudden you feel your hand do that, you know? Just it's jerking you over to Don Jose. Just the body starts repelling and saying, man, you got to feed me. And then the last thing that's there, and the reason you would fast is because your spirit comes alive. And it's the one who's determining whether or not your mind will eat or your body will eat. And you can identify your spirit man. If there's anything great about spending a day in fasting or a meal in fasting or days in fasting, it identifies your mind, your will, and and your emotions it identifies them and it identifies your spirit which is the most important thing for god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth many of us have done our worship in the flesh that's all we knew was the flesh you know a lot of times i deal with people who come into family worship center and and they they come from very emotional churches Or lack of emotion churches. Amen. Somebody know there are lack of emotion churches. And so they come from one of these places. Either they don't want to apply themselves to worship because of the lack of emotion. Well, we need to be calm, cool, collected here. And it's very worshipful. And and then there's other people who come in and they've just been running around the building for every day. And you have this thing that comes in. But there's a difference between emotion and spirit. There's a difference. We're not emotions when it comes to worshiping God. Because if you're not careful, you can get emotional. My wife has to get onto me all the time. I'll tell you why. I'll give you, for instance, my wife my daughter went to band competition a couple weeks ago. It was the uh, regional band competition. So when she went in, it's her first time at the band competition. I'm Dad. She goes into the room when she comes out, frown on her face. She's like, th- I was intimidated. I was scared. I was nervous. They were laughing at me behind the curtain. Now let me tell you who Dad is. I'm ready to go down to the judge's office. I want to meet with the judge and I want to let them know how I feel because my emotions are, are charged up. Two weeks later, I'm like, yeah, she just, you know, she just was nervous. Because I realized that all those things were what happened to her at the moment. And I realized that if I had gotten emotional, see, that's how we are, isn't it? We get emotional and we work on imp- the, the moments that we're in. We want to do everything at the moment. But I found out, you, you know, what my wife will do she say, you're not going to talk to the head judge. You're not going down to the school to talk to the principal. You are not going. And she helps me that way because she knows if I went down there, we'd have a war. I'm trying to get my son transferred. You know, I shouldn't tell him, my bed be quiet. But I'm trying to work on some things. And, and, and it hadn't gone exactly as I had anticipated. And, and there's more hoops to jump through. But I'd like to just go down there and let them know the one hoop. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We can't deal with God that way. He's not an emotion. Do you understand? God's not emotional. When you have these moments that are emergencies, And I found out as pastor that that happens to a lot of us, that that everything that we go through, at the moment we go through it, is an emergency. It's an emergency. And if the pastor of a church went off of everybody's emergency, I'd be down at the hospital for every, you know, ingrown toenail. Because that's an emergency. But the truth is, there are, there, there's a God who knows all of this stuff, who understands everything about it. And he said, we can cast all our cares on him, for he cares for us. Yes, you're in emergency. But I got news for you, God's not emergencized. He didn't get nervous because you went through an emergency. Or you had a moment or an issue. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to say this, fasting makes a difference. And I would suggest if we're doing this moment of devotion and we're working on devotion, fast a meal this week. Fast a meal over the course of your week. I mean, I'm not telling you to fast days. Now, if the Lord leads you to fast, you know, I have a sense that I need to fast. I have a sense of that. We don't move by feelings. I try not to use the word feeling very much. The Bible uses the word they sensed. When they wrote the Bible, the Bible says they sensed they sensed it. In other words, it was a spirit upon them or a spirit moving in them. It wasn't just feelings. We don't have to think that the Bible was written by emotions. It was written by the Holy Spirit. They sensed God. They sensed him move upon them. And that that just might seem like words, but maybe for us, it would help us identify better what's really happening to us when God is speaking to us. Somebody say amen. amen. By dreams and visions, by in, uh, by prophetic utterance, whatever it may be, that there's a sense of it. That's why you can say that we can judge the prophets because it's a sense of things. It's not emotions. I didn't get excited because you told me something. I get excited because it qualified with something God's speaking to me. God doesn't speak us through other people. He only confirms through other people. As good a pastor as I am, I can't tell you the will of God for your life or where you should go. I'm not going to look today and say to Brother Rick, go to Africa. And if I did, he'd probably say, no amen I, I mean we should have a sense of that but if god had already begun to talk to him and he'd spent time with the lord he was in a devoted relationship and the lord began to deal with him you know africa something happens and things in science and i came to you know how the lord was dealing with me the other night and i had a sense that that that, that, that y'all think about africa and he said that's confirmation see that's how God works in us. But he can't work that way if all we're doing is looking for somebody else to give us the description of our futures or the description of our moments. No, it's personal time. It's relationship time. It's alone with God time. It's, it is it is personal. You know, God's personal. And he does not deal with others to deal with you. He deals with you. Amen. I don't pray for my wife that God would change her. I just pray that God moves in her. Amen, that God would move in her life and move in her circumstances. And I watch God work, and I just confirm what God's just doing in my wife. I, stay, I I don't have to go there and tell her what to do. We're not motivated by that. When you were created, God created male and female. He called them man. And then he gave some headship, which is the last authority of something. God said that the man would be the last authority on some, But he didn't say you'd be the Lord of everything. Amen. You're not the leader of everything. You're the confirmer just like a pastor would be, and you're praying for God to come as we pray devotion, and we're praying over our kids and all these things, as they get older, they become more and more independent, and they begin to do things on their own, and you can see from the distance, you know, you just like to walk up and say, I wish I could just tell you, but how many know the older, I notice this, the older kids get, the more they tell me. I notice they begin to instruct me about what I'm supposed to do. And yet I've been here 56, 55 years, going on 56 years. I've already been there. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and so the only, in some places, the only way you can converse with them is through the Holy Spirit. That's what prayer is about, is prayer is a weapon of our warfare that we can use. It is part of the toolage of God for us to do it. And what it does is changes us. So that we can reflect him more. So we can speak more on his behalf. So we can act more like him. So we can present him to others. And when we present him, how many know, you know, if you go out with a track today and you walk into your local, you know, wherever you work and you run around with tracks everybody out and tell them they're all going to die and go to hell, they're not coming to your church. But if you can go in and be everything Jesus is, when they're in need, they'll call you. And you can say, listen, I know where I can take you. That's how we grow churches. That's how we grow our lives, is that God manifests in us every day. And that manifestation makes a difference. He says it this way, fasting doesn't change God. He's the same before, during, and after. But fasting will change you. It will help you keep the flesh under, and it will help you become more sensitive to the Spirit of God. That's simple, isn't it? It's good to fast when things are pressing in on you. And you need to wait on God prayerfully. Or the Lord may speak to you or lead you to fast. If the Lord lays a fast on your heart, do it. He has spoken to me in this manner several times. The longest I've ever fasted, however, is three days. The Bible lists these reasons for fasting. Are you ready? To minister to the Lord. And when they ministered to the Lord, the Lord spoke. They laid hands on and ministered to others after they had prayed and fasted. And to draw close to God in times of danger. These are the three reasons listed in the Bible for fasting. These are the scripture reasons. You don't need to fast to defeat the devil. How many of you understand you don't have to fast to defeat the devil? Anybody that tells you they're trying to whoop the devil, you can't anyway. You'll never be able to whoop the devil. That's not your job. That's not what God called you to do. Jesus handled that. Somebody say amen. Thank God for Jesus thank god for jesus he handled all that he took care of all that see it's not a manufactured thing it's a it's a spirit led or an advised thing by the holy ghost and i'm just encouraging you to 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 examine the idea of fasting for your life and if the lord should lead you or you sense it or whatever then follow in that direction i'm just encouraging you this morning to be devoted to god be devoted to him have a sense of devotion And I know this will work. I know it's one of the methods that will work in our life. Fasting helps you keep your body under. How many know that he wants us to keep our body under? So what is devotion? What is the definition? Devotion to God implies an ardent affection for him, a yielding of a heart to him with reverence, faith and piety in every act, particularly in prayer and meditation. God wants us to be full of him. How many know he wants us to be full of him? This season of devotion, I want to encourage you. Take some time. Set aside a place alone with God. Set aside uh, moments in his presence. Turn on some worship music in your car. You know, you could turn off the country music for an hour. Somebody say amen. Set, Set some worship in your house. Take some time. And I'm not talking about you doing it with the family. I'm not talking about having a devotional. There's nothing wrong with devotionals. We used to have them. I have them in my house from occasion to occasion. I just kind of follow God and do devotions with Him or whatever. And then, then, then we don't. And then we do. And then we don't. Then we do. I don't want anything to become religion. I mean, know we're not religious. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be, don't be religious. We're not religious. We're led. There's a big difference between being led or being religious. For as many as are led... Led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. You're not to be religious. It's not duties. It is led. It's leadings. We ought to be in a position to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm going to give you a for instance, and I don't care if they're watching. I've already written him and talked to him. But I talked to you all several weeks ago. Maybe it was a month or two ago. The Lord had been dealing with me about the young man that comes to my church that was in the quarterback for the football team. Do you all remember the story? I didn't tell that anywhere else but here in Sumter. So the only place I talked about it, but I sometimes I'm working through things. You know, if I'm talking, I had not made my decision yet. doesn't even know what I'm talking about. If I'm still talking about it, I'm not done. And so I knew that there were things that were working, and I needed to work them out, but the Holy Spirit had begun to deal with me, and the Lord said this to me clearly. There's good, and there's better. There's good, and there's better. This young man had a great opportunity. The university that at first initially wanted him to come had offered him and his brother a scholarship. They wanted him. They made him their number one recruit in the nation. He's now listed as the top ten, one of the top ten quarterbacks in the United States. And they wanted him at Syracuse University. They had come to his football games. The coach had flown down from Syracuse, came to his football games, and was there. But the Lord told me, Steve, there's good and there's better. When I prayed with them at the front, I tried to say that. I didn't know how to say it to them. But I was trying to say it, and I called his dad's phone, and I was going to tell his dad. But the Lord said, I don't want you to do it that way. This is what I'm talking about. See, I'm not the leader. I'm the one who can confirm. And I I felt like if I had said something, either it could have been rejected, which is not good, or it could have been accepted, which wouldn't have been the choice. I could have influenced the choice the wrong way. But I waited on the Lord, and I began to pray about it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, South Carolina decided to go after this young man majorly. If you know anything, now they have NIF deals and all this stuff like this. So it's different now. Kids get paid and all kinds of things by these companies to go. And so anyway, he had good. It was good. But the Holy Spirit said, and there's better. That doesn't mean that good wasn't good. It would have been good. He could have gone to Syracuse and it could have been good. But I know something. He could also have done something else that would have been better. God wants us to always have good. He has all good things, right? He said good things, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I'm a born-again believer. And as long as I'm walking in the light of God and doing my best with God and serving the Lord, I guarantee you God has good. Somebody say, I'm walking in good. Come on, stop feeling bad and sorry for yourself. That's emotion. We're not emotional. We know. All good things. Every good and perfect gift. Come on, somebody. And so today I want to tell you something. Good is in your favor. But God always has better. And he has best. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want best and better. See, you could be, the Bible said you could receive the word and have 30-fold. You could have 60-fold. There's nothing wrong with being a 30-fold. He wasn't suggesting a 30-fold was a useless person. He was just saying some folks get it on a 30-fold. Then there were those who got it on a 60-fold. But then there were others who got a hundredfold, a hundredfold. We ought to be striving for and striving for that one hundredfold. We want that in our families and our kids and all that we touch. God, whatever I touch. And so today this young man decided to leave the Syracuse, and he's now the quarterback at University of South Carolina, one of the top ten in the nation. It could have been good, but God had better. I want to say that to you this morning. I want to say that's, the, that's what we're attempting to do. Now, it's his decision. It's his life. I'm not living his life. But I was praying for him and believing God for him. I couldn't steer him or direct him. But I know that God can. How many know God can do exceedingly? Abundant. Abundantly? Abundant. Above. above. Hallelujah. All we can ask or even think. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Now, God wants you to walk in his goodness. Somebody say amen devotion to god makes a difference i use this in florence and i would like to read it to you one more time i think it'd be great for you to hear it and it's just about the woman the, the sinful woman that was forgiven uh found in uh luke chapter seven there were two stories of women who poured water and oil on jesus feet this is one of those stories and i want to read this one to you just listen to the story this is devotion this is loving god A sinful woman is the story. Verse 36, uh, Luke 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city was a sinner. And when she learned that he was going to be reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair from her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. Hallelujah. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they said to him, if this man were a prophet, he would not have let her do that. He wouldn't have let this woman who's touching him touch him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to them, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 aderian, and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them loved him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, who he canceled the larger debt. He said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. Did you give me water for my feet? But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from, time, from the time I came in, she ceased not to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved, listen, for she loved much The reason she came and got down at his feet and poured the expensive oil on his feet and cried over his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, you understand, when they walked around on those dirty roads, when they came in, when you've walked around in a dirt patch somewhere and you came in and the brown was all over your feet, she had now wiped her hair to clean his feet because she loved much. And Jesus identified the fact that, okay, Simon, I came in your house, but you didn't do any of these things. She did. And I want to say to everybody in this room, devotion is loving God much. It's not just having a random service to God or I went to church on Sunday. Did you wipe his feet with your tears and with your hair? He goes on to say, therefore, I tell you her sins, which are forgiven. She loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then who those of you that were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Devotion is ardently, supremely loving God. It's not, I sort of love God. That's why he said it this way. You can't be in between the two, right? He said, I'm either hot or I'm cold, but lukewarm. What does it take not to be lukewarm? It takes what you've done this morning, nine o'clock in the morning, get to church. Why? Because you're willing to wipe his hair, wipe your hair on his feet. Hallelujah. When you go home and you spend some time alone, I don't care if it's in the bathroom. Spend some time alone with God. Amen? Take your your Bible and read I mean, be, be respectful. You understand what I'm saying. I don't want to tell anybody to do something disrespectful. But I'm telling you, find places to be alone. Listen to worship music. Tell somebody else your story. Give a testimony. Refer somebody to what God's done. Share with them the goodness of God. You know something? It's the goodness. You remember this. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not whooping up and tearing up and tearing down. God loves us so much. You may not believe this, but since the day you were born, he covered so many things. He carried so many things. The angels helped you with so many things. Trust me. To whom much is forgiven, they love much. If we only understood how much. Come on, somebody. Let's lift our hands one more time. Would you do it?